Welcome to the Mature Audiences Only Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly, where every single week I'll be telling you some spooky stories and some true crime stories alike. Thank you so much for joining me. I was browsing Wikipedia one day and I've been seeing a lot of headlines in the news and on Daily Mail and all the other news places that I follow. And we've all heard about the Sherry Papani. Papani. I think it's I think it's pronounced. Papani. I'm going to pronounce it Papani. <laughs> Butchering names is my uh, my pastime. Um, so we've all heard about this new case about Sherry Papani. And I actually look it up. The woman has her own Wikipedia page now. And I thought that was grounds for covering this story if she has her own Wikipedia page. Am I right? So we're going to go ahead and cover this story. I know it's all over the place. There's a lot of news about it, but I personally couldn't find like the whole story about it. I was curious. Like I found the little news blurbs that said like woman kidnapping hoax and da 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 da. But I wanted to know like the whole story. I'm a curious cat, you know? So I'm going to take you through this story. Just yesterday, Monday, April 19th, 2022, Pepini, it can't be Pepini. Papini, we're gonna call her Sherry from this moment on, so don't worry, it's not gonna be a thing, has just pleaded guilty to orchestrating her own kidnapping hoax back in 2016. Sherry Louise Grafe was born on June 11th, 1982. She was quoted as being a super mom, and she married her husband, Keith Papini, in 2009, and the two shared two beautiful children together. On January 2nd in 2016, Keith had returned from his job at the Best Buy, and he had come home thinking it was just any average evening, but he noticed when he got home that his wife, Sherry, was missing. And at first he didn't worry too much, but as it started to get later and he started realizing that this is a really long run, he realized something was terribly wrong. He eventually used the Find My iPhone application to locate her cell phone and AirPods, and he saw that those items were located at the intersection of Sunrise Drive and the Old Oregon Trail, which was a road that was very close to their home near Redding, California. And he thought that maybe she was there as well, so he should go and maybe check for her. Well, he drove down there, and the area was actually conveniently located by their mailbox, but... It was actually like a a mile away anyway, so it was pretty far distance. And when he went there, Sherry was nowhere to be found, although her cell phone and her earbuds were found there. So when Keith found the phone and the headphones, he noticed that the headphones had little pieces of hair stuck in them, and it was clearly Sherry's hair. It was like this bright platinum hair, and he thought that was super strange, and he thought that that signified that there was a struggle that had happened. What was also strange was that the iPhone and the headphones had been neatly placed right next to each other on the side of the road. And you would think if that there was some big struggle of some sort, you would think that her items would likely be strewn across the road, not just neatly placed next to each other. You know, typically when there's a rumble in the jungle, things aren't just neatly placed right next to each other. And she was known to be a super mom, so it kind of makes sense that everything was just kind of neatly placed next to each other. Sherry's disappearance sparked a nationwide search to have her come home safely. Everyone was so worried sick about her that people flew from all over the country to come and volunteer and help in her search. Police also brought in search and rescue dogs to come and help find her, either locate her, locate any additional belongings, anything at all, just any information on where Sherry is. 
Sure enough, they didn't find anything. But people were so concerned that a GoFundMe campaign to help find Sherry raised more than $49,000 at the time. And this was just to help her horrified family bring her home safely. Also, her husband, Keith, advocated for his wife and he went on talk shows like Good Morning America. He did so much advocating for her and spoke so highly of her and really expressed genuine concern. And in addition to all of this, a $40,000 reward was also offered for her safe return. So three weeks later after her initial disappearance, Sherry appeared out of nowhere, walking along Interstate Number 5 in Yolo County, California. YOLO! YOLO! <laughs> and this area is essentially bumfuck Egypt. It's just way the hell out there. And so when she emerged and she was walking through the forest and finally resurfaced, she came along with some chains still around her waist and her ankles. She had a broken nose and all of her hair was chopped off. She was so badly bruised and she had so many injuries that she was immediately whisked away to an unknown hospital at the time. She would also be released the same day. So she was fine and they treated her for her injuries and that was that. But so Kim, what happened to Sherry? Can you share with us? But let me tell you. Sherry claimed that she had been jogging that fateful day and that two women in a dark SUV approached her with a revolver. They pointed the revolver at her and they demanded that she get inside their car. Most descriptively, she also mentioned that the two women played mariachi music during the entire car ride from the abduction point to the place of residence that she was held captive. Not the mariachi music, oh, it was horrible. The terror. Sherry claimed that the two women kept their faces hidden from her, either by wearing masks or bandanas or by keeping Papini's head covered. And she said that the older woman was very, very mean to her and she just did not like her. She had it out for her. While the younger one had some sympathy for her and eventually set her free. She also said that the woman forced her to stay in a closet and that she had to use a bucket filled with kitty litter as a toilet. She also said that the kitty litter was her idea. Sherry, 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 Sherry. <laughs> Upon her return home, Sherry also only weighed 87 pounds when she returned, which would signify that she had little access to food or water while she was away. She was a small girl as it was. She's always been petite and short in stature, but she lost a significant amount of weight during this whole ordeal. However, ever since 2016, when she returned home to essentially now, investigators and the public have just always been really curious about this case and how the motive and the information just didn't seem to make sense or add up. So naturally, investigators just kept on digging because also they didn't know who did this to her. So the investigation to find the captors was still at large, but also if they found any additional information, they were gonna look it up. And naturally they came up with some weird pieces of information. One of those pieces of information being a police report that was made in 2013 saying that Sherry had hurt herself and had blamed it on her mom. And that was kind of strange, right? She had hurt herself and blamed it on her mother. And then in addition to that, investigators also found a blog post made in 2007 that was written by Sherry that had some racially charged messages regarding Latino people. So she was saying some bad things about that community. So when investigators saw that, 
I mean, it was a long time ago, but they were like, okay, like that's kind of weird. Your abductors were Latina, Latinas, and you also have this weird blog post like many years ago about like having a dislike for a group of people. Hmm. And so naturally that just made investigators think like, what's going on with this girl? During the initial investigation, Sherry was found with both male and female DNA on her, neither of which matched her or her husband. Then the FBI ran the DNA through their database, which is titled CODIS, C-O-D-I-S, and found no matches in the system at that moment. So they thought. So they thought, Hmm, okay, that's really weird. There's another mystery man in this picture somewhere. Okay, so now fast all the way forward to March 2022 of this year that we're in right now, and detectives announced a bombshell revelation that they hadn't announced before. Sherry had not been kidnapped after all. However, during her abduction time, she had actually been voluntarily staying with her ex-boyfriend in his house in Costa Mesa, California. Back in 2019, investigators requested what's called a familial DNA search on the DNA that was collected on Sherry's clothing. So initially, back in 2016, there was no match on this DNA evidence, but this familial DNA search will pull the records of any potential family members that might match the DNA that was gathered. And when they pulled this search, they actually got a hit on it and the DNA matched the brother of a man named James Rays. Once they got that hit, they got a warrant for what's known as a trash pull to be completed at James Rays' house so that they could try and get a match on his DNA. Sure enough, an honest green tea bottle found in a Costa Mesa trash can matched the DNA of James Rays, who just so happened to be Sherry's ex-boyfriend and ex-fiance. Got her. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that bitching though? Man, I'm telling you, DNA evidence, like they will get you. You gotta be careful. And also, so that DNA, I'm not sure exactly like how they got the brother's DNA, but if you ever take like a 23andMe or one of those Ancestry.com DNA tests, your DNA gets put into a database. So something like this can get made because your DNA is in these files somewhere. So not that I plan on doing anything bad, or hopefully none of my relatives will, but I'm not gonna be editing out, yeah, yeah. Those DNA tests are not for me, not my DNA. I just think it's kind of crazy. And so once they were able to make this DNA match from the DNA that was on her clothing to this man, they were able to find out that she had been dating that man's brother. And so from there, investigators definitely wanted to get a hold of James Ray's for questioning, and boy, did he spill that tea. Spilt that tea. James spilled the tea, but yeah, he was ready to confess. You know, this wasn't his thing. He got kind of duped, honestly. James let investigators know that all of the injuries that Sherry had during her whole ordeal were all self-inflicted or they were made, ha or he helped her make it happen. So the brand on her shoulder, the broken nose, all of the bruises. He admitted that they had gotten like a hockey stick and a hockey puck and that he like slap shotted it to hit her shin. <laughs> which that's a pretty good shot when you think about it. And in addition to that, the brand that was on her shoulder, which there's no images of the actual brand that were on her shoulder, but the only real information that's been released about it is that it was like an ominous message or like a warning. So it wasn't just like a little nick. It was like some words or some shit. But 
he actually went to the Hobby Lobby to go and buy like a branding tool. It was like a wooden branding tool so they could burn this message on her. And if there's anything I'm gonna say about that, that is the one thing that shows me this man's undying love for this woman because he went out of his way to go to the Hobby Lobby for this woman. I doubt that she went with him and that just tells me the type of love that he has for her because there's no chance in hell I mean, I just don't think in this God's good green earth that my man, no matter how sweet he is, he's such a sweetie, I love my boyfriend, <laughs> but to get that man to go to the Hobby Lobby for me, I, I don't just, I just don't see it happening. That's like the last place on this earth that that man would step into. And okay, let's perform a little bit of like an analysis on this ex-lover man. So if you look at this picture of James, okay, he's, he's kind of like scruffy. So he's got a beard, nothing like her clean cut husband. And like, I feel like I'm almost getting like run away with the bad boy vibes, you know? And so according to James, who is 37 years old, which means that Sherry is two years older than him, he was duped into hiding Sherry for three weeks while her family, friends, and all of the sheriff's deputies and everyone, the volunteers, were all out looking for her. And then after three weeks of her hiding in his home, she eventually started missing her family and expressed that she wanted to go home. And... I'm not gonna lie, I feel like being stuck in your ex-boyfriend's home for three solid weeks and like, that's your only source of entertainment, that sounds pretty miserable to me. So when she expressed that she actually wanted to go home, Ray's helped her rent a rental car and they drove seven hours from his home in Costa Mesa, California, all the way back to where she lived. So James Ray said that Sherry actually duped him and told him that her husband Keith was abusive and that she needed to escape from him. She also said that he helped her plot to make her disappearance look like a kidnapping, buying burner cell phones and leaving hers by the side of the road when she disappeared while she allegedly was out jogging. And according to reports, her husband Keith actually wasn't abusive towards her. And that really hasn't been used in the current case. It's really not something that's brought up as being like a fact. And I mean, I think it just shows that the marriage probably just wasn't making her feel fulfilled or whatever. So Sherry, who appeared on Monday in Sacramento federal court, entered her guilty plea to charges for mail fraud and making false statements. She faces five years behind bars for the false statements that she made to the FBI, but she faces 20 years in prison for mail fraud. And so these charges essentially come from the fact that the sheriff's department put so much time and effort in her return efforts, her search efforts, and trying to apprehend her abductors. And the sheriff's department has stated that the search cost more than $150,000 and hundreds of hours of manpower. So yeah, that's pretty bad. And so the people that volunteered to look for her, I actually read are starting to receive notices that once the charges all happen, they can actually sue Sherry and her family for restitutions because a lot of them took time off of work to come and volunteer and look for her. Many had to pay for their own travel and for yeah their housing and the hotels that they stayed in. So since this is all a hoax, it's fair game to try and get that money back from Sherry. 
And then the mail fraud charge stems from the fact that once she resurfaced, Sherry requested and received $30,000 from the California Victim Compensation Board, which is meant to help people who are real victims. And so she not only spent that money, but that means a real victim who could have used that money won't be able to. And then also, remember all the GoFundMe money? Like, what was that, like $49,000? Well, that, in addition to the money from the California Victim Compensation Board, was spent on therapy sessions, ambulances, window blinds for their home, and also to pay for her and Keith's pretty substantial amount of credit card debt. So they did the bad thing, and they spent all of the money that they received, which is, I think, a little sketchy. So no charges have been made on anyone else in this case. So including Keith, including James Ray's, since he came forward. And some speculate that maybe Keith had something to do with this. But honestly, it doesn't seem very likely because Keith was advocating for his wife. He was constantly going on news channels and speaking publicly and crying and, and all of this stuff just visibly praying for his ho his wife's safe return. So he hasn't been charged. All of the blame for this entire hoax is being placed on Sherry. She's being named as the master mind behind the entire thing. And so Sherry is currently released from jail on a $120,000 bail. And so the judge actually warned Sherry that even though she pleaded guilty, which typically will give you a lesser sentence, that she should expect a harsher sentence than was once anticipated because just of how big this case is and how much it costs to try and find her, how much money went into everything. And he also let her know that she can't change her plea once she already locks it in. Once she makes her plea, she's locked in. So she's just got to run with it. But Sherry seems to stand that she is going to plead guilty and she's going to apologize for all of her wrongdoings and all of that. So what do you guys think? I just, it's kind of tough. Uh, no, it's really not tough. Like, we don't know their situation. Obviously, faking your own kidnapping is not the smart way to go about things. I think if you're not feeling fulfilled in your marriage, you should probably just be honest with yourself and your husband and let him know that you want either to separate or maybe try dating other people for a while before going and faking a whole kidnapping story. But at the end of the day, what also kind of grinds my gears about this case is that it's just such a, it's such a bad thing because so many women and men go missing every year, especially persons of color or people, you know, of different communities, what have you, let alone blows up into such a national phenomenon like this one. So the fact that so many people were concerned, so much money went into it, and that she created such a big facade. So at the end of the day, for her to take advantage of that and to spend all of the money and to reach out for additional money just to spend on personal items, it's just all really bad. And not to mention, her, her husband and all of her friends and family spoke out so much for her, like in the media, pleading for her safe return home and for all that just to be fake and not real. Like just how embarrassing it must feel. What a waste of time. Like it just wasted everyone's time. So I think in the end, she probably feels pretty silly, pretty stupid uh, for everything that she did. So 
Yeah, it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. And I know it's so sad because so many people are just saying, oh, the husband is a doofus for staying with her. But hey, this woman is going to have an unimaginable amount, unimaginable, unimaginable amount of court time and potentially jail time. And to be honest, I doubt that their divorce is like the first thing on their minds. They have a family... Yeah, she did a really shitty thing and she was cheating on her husband. But one, we don't know what their situation was like. And two, they have a family. So this is already a super traumatizing experience for the children and them. So I'm sure they'll take the time to sort out the divorce or what the heck is going on with their relationship a little later. Yay! That's all, folks. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know this was a quick little blurb of an episode, um, but I feel like when there's going to be like a hot topic or yeah, a crime that happens that's big in the media that I have some feelings about, I plan on doing some of these bonus episodes throughout the week just so yeah, we could all stay up to date together. Thank you so much for joining me today. The newest episode will still launch tomorrow on Friday. So stay tuned and that'll be to you shortly. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye.